the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here tonight with the man himself, Mr. James Payne. James, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How was that introduction? Was it okay? I think it smoothed better, pretty well. Better. For context, right? we spoke yeah. about last week that um, Farhan wasn't too impressed with the way he's No, it wasn't. Last, last week's introduction was just... I don't know. It's awful. I had no problem with it, but uh, yeah. uh, Farhan wasn't very happy. So I, I prodded him off air. I said, mm. have you come up with a new way to introduce me? And he thought about that in like three seconds. So what, I don't what know. I, I, I think it just flowed out, like just flowed from the time. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I might need to work on it. Maybe for the Liverpool game. Ooh. Yeah, maybe for the Liverpool game, yeah. What a big game. Anyway, um, I'm also pleased to um, say that we have a very special guest on the show this week, which we haven't had for a long time, actually. So it gives me great pleasure to say that we've got Jazz um, from the Kicking Off podcast. So Jazz, thank you very much for uh, turning up. It is uh, a real pleasure to have you on, as it was a pleasure to be on your show. Um, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, mate. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. And thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, um, yeah, all good. You know, as long as Arsenal keep winning, I'll uh, I'll remain a happy guy. So yeah, can't complain. I remember when um, when I came onto your show, it was a good few months ago. Um, it was after the Man City game, I think, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Oh my God, yes, it was. <laughs> and I was on holiday and that was when things were really boiling. Things were really bubbling. It was kind of I guess you could say maybe the worst kind of the, the worst stage of Arteta's managerial career. Maybe you could say, you know, he's had his window. He'd had his window. Sorry. He'd had his um, preseason. He'd had everything that he needed to. And then to be dealt with by Man City, the way that we did was just, you know, it was it seemed like it, he, he was on his way out. And I did. I remember speaking about potentially him having lost the dressing room um, and like how like how how wrong I was um, to, to even suggest that. But, um, you know, we seem to have turned a bit of a corner. Um, Jazz, how, how, how are you kind of pro processing what's happening at the minute? Is it too early to say that we've turned a corner or how can we process all of this? Yeah, I, th I think it is probably too early. I mean, I know a lot of people have, have mentioned the, uh, the Emery era when we went on that long 20 odd game and beaten run. And I remember then thinking that we had turned a new leaf and that he was the guy for the job and it was all looking really good. And then obviously that kind of went south quite quickly. Um, so I, th I think, you know, I think we should probably reserve judgment until the end of the season, but I think we still have a lot of grounds to be positive. Um, for me, I just think having that solid back four and, and, and Ramsdale in there has just made such a difference. And I think, you know, watching games now, I actually have a fair degree of confidence that we won't concede goals, which is a crazy thing to say, considering when you were on the show back, back in whenever it was September, I, I remember asking you, and I, I was asking you sincerely, like genuinely asking you if you thought that Arsenal could get relegated. Mm. And now that just seems... <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of told me off and you said that I was a bit bonkers yeah. for even suggesting that. But, but you know, looking back now, that really just does seem like a different... I mean, it's unthinkable really, isn't it? Um, so, so yeah, to answer your question, I do think it's too early, but I also think that we have a right to be, to be happy and to be positive. And, you know, we've got to enjoy it, man, because, you know, who knows how long it'll last. Mm. There, there are always um, certain things I look for 
in a team to, to suggest whether, you know, it is um, something to be excited about or it is, it's cause for validation. And I'm seeing all the right things in this Arsenal squad. Um, the clean sheets are not a coincidence. The, the, the defensive structure that Arteta has put in place, the, the, the personalities that are back there with uh, Tomiyasu, White, um, Gabriel, Tierney and Tavaj as well. It's phenomenal to have, to see such a turnaround at the back. Uh, obviously not to mention Aaron Ramsdale, who has become a revelation. Um, James, we are now in the middle of an international break and mm-hmm. another one, another <laughs> one. And, you know, I was speaking to you about this last episode. Like it seems like they, they come around so often. Um, but yeah. last international break was kind of, um, a time for us to reset or it was, it was a time for me to kind of reset from football because, yeah. um, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to, to just have a little bit of a breather. Um, but now yeah. I can't wait for football to start back again. Um, let's talk about the international break a little bit and let's talk about some of the Arsenal players that have been pl- representing their nations. We saw yesterday Bakayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe um, starting for England and Ramsdale as well, although he didn't have yeah. much to do in goal, but you know, he, he, he got that cap. Um, I think Kieran Tierney as well, nutmegging a player twice or something like that. Um, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been a busy, it. yeah, it's been a busy week. I mean, I think um, currently uh, Martin Odegaard is playing. Yeah. He's playing um, against the Netherlands away. So pl- plenty of action for um, some of the senior players. Who's impressed you the most? Out of this international, oh, I have to go with the North Mithra, I think. Mm. Uh, Purely because of yesterday's uh, performance, I think. And and uh, when did we last play? Was it Friday? I think it was Friday, I think. I think he um, came on for the last 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, he came on for the last five minutes and then uh, did a yeah. kind of driving run like he does with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, dri- he, drives, he was driving towards the goal. And even then I thought, you know what? He's, he's, he's doing the majority of the stuff the same way he does uh, with Arsenal. So what can basically go wrong? And then he started on he started yesterday, and I thought he was brilliant. And just to get a goal on on, on debut as well is on on his first start is also incredible. So such a nice goal as well. Right? So Arsenal esque, I felt like. Yeah, a little flick you know, back from Tammy. And all the yeah. pundits could talk about were was uh, that goal. Smith Rose. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the, he is just. I would love to be. I would love to be a fly on the wall in like. Um, Emil Smith Rowe's, you know, family, they, they must be incredibly proud of him, and so they should be, you know, and he must be incredibly proud of himself because I don't, I don't think he, he would have expected to have this uh, much of an impact on Arsenal and on England um, mm. in, the, in the last few months. Do you think that um, we are seeing two players who are hitting the, the kind of... Uh, Top form, you know, their peak right now. They're hitting their peak, um, or is this just them? Is this just a kind of because it, it troubles me a little bit when I see yeah. two talented players who are doing so well week in week out, who are pretty much single handedly carrying the squad. I mean, everyone's doing their part, but if you're looking at standout individuals, yeah, superstars, players who win you games. I'm looking at Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka. Yeah. Aubameyang 
hasn't really been hitting top form. He hasn't been for a while. And I mean, you could argue Lacazette changes the dimension and adds so much depth in that final third. But other than those three, I don't really see anybody else carrying the team. So um, do we need to be not necessarily worried, but is this something we need to prepare ourselves for when eventually Bakayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe come back down to the kind of normality performance level? Um, and, you know, already I've already seen a few yeah. players in, in, in the last few weeks having a go at Bakayo Saka because he hasn't performed at you know, at the peak level that he was. Um, yeah. So how do you deal with a situation like that? What kind of impact do you well, think that's going to have on them? Let's not, um, let's not, you know, let's not get it twisted. We want the, we want the great form to last forever, you know, in, in an ideal world. Mm. But we know that it, it probably won't. Players have a period of, you know, they can, they can be really, really good for, really, really consistent and amazing for a couple of months. And then, you know, because they played that, because they played, such, like they've exerted themselves so much and put in great performances, there is obviously going to be a period of, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A period of that, you know, that downtime. You don't expect mm, stagnation, yeah. Stagnation, yeah. That's that's a great word, actually. Um, <laughs> you, you don't expect them to be. You don't expect them to be on top form all the time. But also with this England squad, I think with England in general, I think we've got we've got so many good players coming through now that uh, I, I'm not really worried about. Play uh, uh, like individual players having bad games because you know we've got Conor Gallagher coming in now, yeah, and, and players like that. Jude Bellingham as well. I know he's 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 coming through. So players like Saka and Emil Smith Rowe and you know people like that who have bad games. I'm more I'm, I'm more than uh, I'm more than you know I'm not really worried because we've got so many good England players coming through that could you know re- replace them for that that short amount of time that is needed. Yeah. But I'm not really worried about what you know what may happen if Saka has a bad game or Will Smith Rowe has a bad game because I know it won't be it won't be permanent and it will just be for that period of time. So I'm not I'm not that worried. I feel uh, I do feel a little bit uh, bad for Jazz because uh, we've been hogging this amount of time talking <laughs> yeah, sorry, about England. No, no don't apologise. Uh, Wales are currently playing against Belgium. Uh, I think you guys just scored five minutes ago. Um, who, who are you keeping your eyes on, Jazz? Arsenal wise, I think. Um, Smith Rowe, I mean, you know, as you guys said, he's just been so impressive. And, and just to go back to the point you just, the question you just asked a second ago about him and, and um, Saka, I think the issue we have from an Arsenal perspective is that we lack a lot of creativity in the team. And as you mentioned, we we therefore rely so heavily on those guys. And so when they don't perform or they have an off game, and when I say an off game, you know, they, they rarely have terrible games. It's just they have, you know, Saka might have a game where he's, you know, five or a six out of 10, which by most standards is fine, but by his high standards, it's, it's quite low. And mm. when that does happen, I think it's just so noticeable because it, it kind of affects the outcome of matches because if Smith Rowe, you know, Smith Rowe is our second highest goal scorer in all competitions, five goals. Mm. If he stops scoring, where are the goals coming from? You know, okay, Aubameyang scored seven goals, but like you said, his form, despite those goals, his form has been a bit inconsistent this season in the past year or so. And so, if Saka and Smith Rowe aren't performing, then the, the team really does suffer. So I think that's why fans are quick to get on their backs. But I think it's a bit unfair considering mm. their age. Um, and for me, I, I think they're just going to get better and better. I mean, Saka, since Emery brought him in two or have however long however long ago it was, two and a bit years, I think he's been amazing since 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 coming in the Europa League. I just think he's been consistently good. Obviously, he's had the occasional off game, but I think yeah, on average, he's been great for us. So I think we're very lucky to have those guys. 
Mm, yeah, they do seem like the backbone of the next generation coming through in red and white. And it's such an exciting time right now as well with um, obviously the Newcastle takeover, the, the shambolic performances that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and United are going through. Um <laughs> Yeah, just, I, w- I wish. Yeah, I wish. I wish Dan was on the show today so yeah. we could. Uh, I think he did this on purpose, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think he did. I, th- I think he really did. He knew he was going to be outnumbered. Yeah, and he just he just ducked out. But no, he is genuinely quite gutted that he couldn't make yeah. it. So I'm sure next time he'll he'll uh, he'll come on. For those uh, listening who's not familiar with uh, Dan, he is the other half of the Kicking Off podcast. So I should have introduced you guys at the beginning, which I didn't do. So apologize, apologies about that. Um, should I do that now? I mean, with twelve minutes in, I, I think. I think. I think you did introduce me. To be fair, I think you did. I think you just you just didn't mention quite Dan. Quite a lousy introduction, here. though, wasn't it? <laughs> so I got James's one right this week, but I didn't get your one right. So um, for those of you guys that are still here, and I'm sure most of you are. Um, Jazz is part of a podcast group called the Kicking Off Podcast. He's an Arsenal fan. Dan is a United fan. And the show is basically about, um, well, Arsenal and United um, and giving their perspectives on how they see things that are going on the club and they also give their their take on the, the the other person's club so in jazz's case it would be you know giving his two cents on united um you can't help how do you keep a like a serious face when you're talking to dan about the situation over there i mean it's you have to love it a little I mean, bit right you, ha- you have to understand i grew up with this guy and yeah. when i was growing up with this guy united yeah. were winning every bloody title trophy that existed so i had about I don't know, six, seven years of him being very smug. Hmm. Um, And I mean, to be fair that, you know, the the United team back then was just incredible to watch. Uh, But now I kind of, I do tease him a little bit and he teases me as well. But generally we're pretty pretty respectful, I think, because we both, both our teams in the last few years, since Wenger left, since Fergie left, have have endured very similar issues and very like consistent issues that, you know, our our podcast often we're talking about the same problems week in, week out because like nothing gets addressed. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of mutual, I guess. Hmm. Well, I'm going to sit back and enjoy the entertainment for however long it lasts. Um, I don't see the board given Ole Gunnar Solskjaer too much longer but anyway um, I digress slightly Uh, so yeah look international breaks coming to an end Um, lots of exciting things to talk about there are a few things that happened before the international break which um, I didn't talk about in last few episodes because I thought uh, we can save it on for for this show and um, there have there there have been a few kind of PRE things um, that have been going on. First things first, though, before I talk about the, the things I want to talk about, did any of you guys get a chance to watch the Arsene Wenger film uh, Invincible? No. No, I, I haven't. I want to, but yeah, I haven't. I saw him hugging Arteta in the yeah. old uh, press conference for it. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky enough to watch the film um, being born and raised in North London. I don't live there anymore, unfortunately. Um, but uh, me and my, me and um, a close childhood friend who grew up literally around the corner from uh, Highbury and the Emirates, um, we decided to go and watch the film because um, I think there's, there are a handful, maybe three or four cinemas showing it. And one of them being uh, one the one closest to our or my old home um so we went and we watched the film and it was um 
it was it was a really deeply emotional film, <laughs> and I find I find I, I, you know I find it quite uncomfortable using those words to describe it. But it was very kind of reminiscent, and um, it it took me back to my childhood, growing up as an Arsenal fan, going to school, non-school uniform days in my full Arsenal kit. When I mean full, I mean full, including the socks, including the cap. Right. <laughs> so I was one of those losers, but it was, yeah, it, it was very, I'm not a loser that way. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was, you know, it was heartwarming to see, um, so many different archived footages that we wouldn't have seen before, like proper up close and personal finger. And I highly recommend every Arsenal fan to watch it. I think you can on Amazon prime. Um, I think you'll need to buy it, but well worth a watch. I mean, there's, there's I not think really, it comes out on Amazon prime on the 22nd if you want to buy it. Uh -huh. but yeah. In twenty in twenty twenty two next year they're gonna actually release it as part of like the, the free uh, film. Oh really? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Um but yeah, so you know I think every Arsenal fan should watch it because it will it will I mean for younger fans who weren't old enough to remember what it was like when Wenger was first um, uh, given the job and kind of all the media speculations around him, around, you know, there were, there were the, the things about his private life, you know, untrue things, obviously, but just the media trying really hard to kind of push on his buttons. And, you know, yeah. these are the things that we we wouldn't have known about. And, and I always ask myself this, had, you know, because I, I truly believe that um, the generation after maybe the Invincibles um, were at the forefront of driving Wenger out because, you know, it's, it's, it's all they had known. And, uh, you know, I, I always think if, if we were educated more and if we were, you know, maybe given this film a little bit earlier, had Wenger's ending been the same as it, as it inevitably was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to give my two cents on that. Um, such an incredible character Arsene Wenger is. And yeah. I, I really hope that he he does return to the club in the near future. Um, I mean, I know that Arteta gave a small kind of interview at the press, um, sorry, at the, uh, the Premier. Cup, yeah, the premiere. And yeah. he did, he did briefly touch on, you know, uh, potentially, you know, not potentially, just expressing that he wants it's time for Arsene Wenger to come back home. Um, and yeah. Wenger, of course, emphasizing his love for the club and how much he'd sacrificed for it. And in the film as well, it goes on to say how much um, he sacrificed and, uh, you know, how much if, if had he gone back in time, maybe he would have done things a little bit differently. Maybe he would have distributed his time a little bit more wisely with his family and stuff. But yeah, I think he divorced his wife, didn't he? I'm not sure. Because, I don't think uh, because, that because of Arsenal. Yeah, I, I, saw, I yeah. think I read a story that um, she wanted him to return to France. Yeah, in like twenty whatever year it was, and he said, "I'm going to have one more year." Mm. And then he never had one more year. He had about five more years, <laughs> and then he. Um, I, I I don't know if that's true, but um, yeah, I, I read it. But it's it's interesting that you say. Um, for the younger Arsenal fan, because obviously I'm I'm quite I'm well, I'm younger than you, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I'm twenty. Mm -hmm. But and I, I I I get where you're coming from entirely. But um, luckily for me, you know, Arsenal is Arsenal is in is in my family. My dad supports Arsenal. His dad supported Arsenal. Um, not to the maybe not to the degree that I do now or he uh, my dad does now, but still, 
Yeah. And uh, as soon as as soon as I knew who Arsene Wenger was, I was searching him up like you wouldn't believe. I had all the archives and everything open. The Arsene Who newspaper, yeah. you know, the, the one that came out when he was first appointed. You know, there was even a, 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 a news like a newspaper that read Wenger out. You know, mm. even in 1996 when he was first um, appointed. So I, I kind of knew going into my love and support of Arsenal who Arsene was. And it kind of just just blossomed from there. But people that are just supporting Arsenal now, it's a great tool for them to understand who the man was. And not just the manager, but the man as well, because I think they're very different people. Um, the manager was, you know, Arsenal. I, I, I can't, you know, it's kind of emotional for me to to, to talk about Arsenal because he was the only manager I've, I, ever, I ever knew up until 2018. Yeah. You know, I, I whenever I used to go to games, I wouldn't think about any other manager. I'd, go, I'd just go, "Oh, there's Arsene." You know, so when when he kind of stepped down, I was like, "You know, what am I supposed to do now? Like, what, yeah. what, what, what am I supposed to do, man?" You know, and then and then Emery came in, and it was like, "Oh, you have to adjust to new. You have to adjust to new to, to new surroundings." And when I went to the first game back, I was when I went to the first game because I was lucky enough to attend Unai Emery's first game. I was like, "Well, this is weird, isn't it?" Um, yeah, because I remember, I remember, I still got it on my phone. I took a, <laughs> I took a picture of Arsene like almost every time he was standing on the touchline, and then I didn't take one because he wasn't there anymore, <laughs> and it was so it's so weird. But hopefully, uh, I can see the film because I'm not, I don't live in London as you do now. I moved up to the northeast, so I'm pretty far away. Yeah, um, but I will try and see if I can buy the movie when yeah. it comes out on the twenty second or. Or wait until next year to watch it, but it is definitely worth a watch. I've seen the trailer, I've seen all the reviews of it, and people people are saying it's you know dynamite. I think yeah. Amy Lawrence put it, or someone uh, put it in in the Arsenal circle. But it's definitely worth a watch. And yeah, look, it's a beautiful tribute to the man, and um, I guess it, uh, it just reminds me because like um, Wenger took over at Arsenal the year that the year that I was born. So I, I can't remember when it was like September or October. He took October over October nineteen ninety six. October, that's right. Yeah. So uh, I would have been like four months old or whatever. And so like when 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 Arsene um, resigned the day that he, the 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 media released the news that he was going to step down, I was like, whoa. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was at work. Yeah, me too. I was and, in college. Yeah. yeah. And like there was a massive TV screen that we yeah. have in the office and the news came on and you could see it, Wenger, to step down at the end. of, And, and I, I just let out a whoa. And like, you know, yeah. in my office funny, environment, it's funny nice. Funny you say about that story yeah. actually where people were. Yeah. That is one thing that will stick with me for probably the rest of my life. Same. That story. People remember me obviously too. where they were for different events, but never yeah. mind. Well, probably people when asked. I remember where I was. I was in college doing some work, mm. and then because I had a, I, had, I remember I had a, a free period or whatever, and I was used to go into this room and do some work. And then, then the person, that was, the teacher that was next to me, knew I liked Arsenal, and she was like, "Whoa." Arsene Wenger's just. I was like, I, I, I felt I, I was like, I was like, oh, shut up! No, 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 yeah. And then I, I looked at the, I looked at the, uh, the, uh, the, the news article. I went. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, what am I supposed to do now? It's, it was. It's such a surreal moment. But yeah. But you know what? I don't know. I I don't know. Am I happy that it happened when it did? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, <laughs> that is a real. That is a really good question. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna. I'll let you answer that one first because I need to think about this answer. But um, I guess I, I. I guess I am because we wouldn't. I don't think we would have seen half the players that we 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 would now. 
Yeah, I don't know. It was unfortunate what happened. But yeah. I think it was the right time because... And it, actually, in the documentary, he mentioned this. He says that, um, obviously, I, I don't know, you probably, you've probably seen this quote going around uh, circulating mm-hmm. social media, but mm-hmm. he, he, he um, compared or he described Highbury as his soul and his uh, the Emirates as his suffering. And he, and he said that had, if he could go back in time, he, he would probably resign. Um, wow. After Arsenal. Yeah. After, after we left Highbury, because it, the situation was just so dire. I mean, we, we completely, we, we got it wrong. We absolutely got it wrong when we moved to the Emirates. The whole reason we went to the Emirates is to increase match day revenue, which by then didn't really matter because of the television sponsorships and stuff. So yeah, massive, massive blunder from the club. And obviously David Dean stepping down after um, disagreements with, you know, the Cronkies taking over or buying a, a, a share. And yeah, it kind of went tits up from there. But anyway, that's that's for another time. Um, you guys mm-hmm. do need to go and watch the film. Let's move on to talk about current affairs, things that are actually happening in and around the club. Um, Lincoln to the Invincibles, actually. Um, why Why did I write down here the Edu interview? It's not the Edu interview, is it? The, the Josh... No, there wasn't, there wasn't Edu interview. Well. There was an Edu interview, but I, I don't even want to talk about that, to be honest. It was quite a while ago. <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it, it was a while ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was towards the end of the transfer window, isn't it? It was. It was. It was. And um, yeah. although it's probably worth mentioning mm. that what he said in that interview now is starting to, to come to fruition. Come to fruition. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, it's you know, jury's still out. I guess it's still early, but fair play to the guy for all the criticism he got. Mm. The stuff he was saying, it seems legit because yeah. the signings have been quality, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, um, like you said, Drew's still out. But um, he was right to say that we have to wait to see them all together. And I think it was literally maybe a week or two after the City game, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, yeah. So, you know, we've been hit with this COVID stuff. We need to wait. We need to see them play together and then judge them. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the blueprint that this, that him and Arteta have created seems to be working so far we've obviously, we've obviously got a really tough run of games coming up so i think most of these most of the questions that would have been directed at him at that time will be answered in the next few weeks but um josh Cronkey recently had an interview with sky and i want to talk about this interview because i found it quite fascinating um it's not very often that we hear from the cronkies but it seems like we've been seeing more of josh cronky um since arteta has taken over jazz did you get a chance to watch the interview I've watched clips of it. Okay. I haven't watched it in full, but I did notice at the last game, I think it was, I think it was the last game or it may have been the Leicester game, but I'm pretty sure Watford. it was the last game against Watford. He was mm-hmm. in the stadium and that's was, not the yeah. first time this season that I've seen him in the stadium, which it kind of feels weird seeing him there on the camera, you know? Mm. I'm so used to, to just not seeing any of the Cronkies, but there definitely does seem to be an effort to, to be more visible and vocal. Um, how do so, yeah, you, how do you feel about Josh Cronkey? In fact, the, the, the first question would, the most appropriate question would probably be, what, how do you feel about the Cronkies? And then moving on to Josh Cronkey. I think the Cronkies as a family is an institution. I mean, I, I can't say I'm their biggest fan. And that, that's based on the last, you know, several years. I think they've done nothing to convince me that they're committed to the club or even really care about the club. I, th- I think um, Stan Kroenke's, you know, consistent 
absence from games and his 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 consistent silence on matters relating to the club and just his general his general sort of vibe i guess uh, i can't say that he's someone who inspires a great deal of um mm. confidence with josh i i'm really not sure how i feel about him because on the one hand he's been talking for a little while now uh, you know for the last few years we've been hearing him do these interviews uh, he's certainly doing them more often now than he was but you know i remember 2 3 years ago he was he was he was out there speaking you know speaking to the cameras and speaking on fan cams and stuff be excited <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean that that that's been you know how many times have you heard that and it's kind of like how many times has that been clipped i know but it's at the same time i i can't hate on the guy for for kind of trying because hmm. it's what fans want. You know, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have a go at them for being silent. And then when he's, once he starts doing regular interviews, have a go at him for not shutting up. So I feel like there's, there's a balance, but I think with these things, ultimately the bottom line is we'll be convinced by actions and by results. So, you know, as long as we're on this unbeaten run, he can do an interview every week for all I care and I'll happily watch and I'll happily agree with what he's saying if, if things are going well. But when things are going badly, then it's it's a different story. So really, it's it's just, yeah, I think they just need to find that balance of, of finding the right time to talk. And when they do talk, hopefully, it'll be in, in a positive time for the club when we're doing well. Mm. Now, there are a lot of interesting things said on this Sky interview and me and you, James, were just were talking off air um, just give briefly about this interview. And I was I was making the point how I felt like it was very, very media trained. Um, I felt like you were saying all the right things. And, you know, right now I'm still very much unconvinced about yeah. um, his how 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 invested he is i don't know whether it's for the cameras whether the fact that the amazon cameras are around whether the fact that it, it is for the documentary or whether he genuinely wants to reconnect with the fans and i haven't seen as much josh Kroenke since the super league uh, saga um i haven't i haven't seen more of him than i have now i haven't what am i trying to say i haven't yeah, I get it. did that make sense yeah, you You've haven't seen, seen him more. loads. You, you can't stop seeing him. Yeah, that's yeah. it. A common theme of this podcast, Jazz, is that I seem to get muddled up with my sayings. So James <laughs> very kindly um, kind of validates me. Um, so thank say you. what you want to say, man. It's not, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah just ex- honestly, express yourself. We, we like oh, to guys, be... really, you're making my heart bleed. <laughs> we like, <laughs> we um, like to be all perfect, but you know. If you just say what you want to say, man. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. It's I don't know good. what I'd do without you. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, so th- the point that I'm trying to make is that I haven't seen um, Josh Kroenke more than I have since the whole Super League saga. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, like I said, th- those are some of the reasons why I feel a little bit on the fence about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but James, what? tell me, give me your f- your kind of your, your reaction, your overview as to how you felt uh, he was conducting himself in this interview and what was kind of interesting or what was um, um, what was poignant about that particular 30 minutes? That particular 30 minutes was weird, I can tell you that. Um, mm. Because there was, an element of, there was an element of, yeah, this is just for the cameras and this is just for, you know, the Amazon documentary or just, you know, for, because we're on this unbeaten run because he always seems to do interviews when we're doing well but there was a part of me that went you know what 
I kind of I'm I kind of am on board with it to a certain extent. And we can talk about the Cron- the Cronkies as a family all day long, you know, we can talk about the fact that the main company that that, that Stan runs is the Los Angeles Rams. You always you always see him, you know, on draft day at, at Los Angeles Rams in his football team because primarily I think that's the first team he ever owned. Mm. Along with, uh, I think the second one was was um, the second one was the Denver Nuggets Denver as well. Nuggets, so yeah. I think uh, Arsenal Arsenal is kind of I, I, I see it as a present to Josh Conkey basically. Mm. I see it as, as as something that Stan went, oh yeah, I'm going to buy Arsenal. You can have it. But the interview the interview was very the, the interview was very um, very different in a, in a sense. I actually I actually could I actually could relate to what he was saying, and he actually felt like he he meant what he was saying mm. to a certain degree. Like he he mentioned the Super League. Uh, I can I can kind of now get on board with the idea because as Paul Marson said. I don't know if you heard what he said about about that comment about the Super League. Basically, what what Josh what Josh said is we evaluated the situation, hmm. and then he said uh, what was what is worse, a Super League uh, without Arsenal or a Super League with Arsenal. And um, they- I think I can. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty clear that a Super League is a Super League. So with or without Arsenal, I, I don't know, mate. I no, don't but no, buy no, but, but, it. Do you know what I mean? I know the Super League is the Super League, and I don't like the Super League either. But whether you're, if you're in that situation, and you have a, a, a certain amount of time to think about it, what is worse, a Super League with Arsenal, with with our players in it, and our I think team it's worse it? with Arsenal, you know, or not? Because what does I, that I say know. about the club, and what does that say about the people running the club? You know, <sighs> I mean, um, it's jumping on, but it's, I guess it's you might you might see it as jumping on bandwagon, but yeah. That's the way that I see it, anyway. I I, yeah, I think the I, whole. I, I get it. I can get yeah. both ways. I'm not really, but I'm not really. You know, I'm not for it either. But I guess as a businessman, we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know because we're not business people. Maybe they're like. But that's know, the issue, though, don't you? Like that. That for me is the, that. That's the point there. The fact that it was made as a business kind of decision and not based. Yeah, but on of course, it's going to be. You know decision? How much money they would be making. Yeah. See, that's the problem for me. I I, I don't. <laughs> That's that's what I really miss, and that's I guess this it, it makes me um, think back it's to kind of the, the the Wenger film and like seeing David Dean and Arsene there. It makes me really miss those days because back in the days, that's what it was about. It was about football, and it was about running a club um, in in accordance, in line with what the fans wanted and what was right for the football football culture. Nowadays, yeah. it just seems like it's just TV cameras and things like that. Yeah. It's finished. That era is finished. I think. I mean, you only have yeah. to look at the Newcastle uh, sale. Yeah, I think it's. I think Arsenal were just one of the first clubs to to sort of move into this new this new era. Um, and we've just had to suffer for longer than most. But you know, look at United. It's a similar story there. It's you know everything is is business orientated you know daniel levy at tottenham you know these guys are uh, these guys are astute businessmen who who have who 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 make commercial decisions rather than football decisions mm. and i just think you know the super league really kind of was the icing on the cake it was kind of like the bubble bursting like mm. this is where we are so yeah yeah it, it's it's and really i think it sad. also i think it also opened josh's eyes a little bit yeah, and maybe stands as well. I think you know. You know, I think one of the reasons he's doing all this now is to obviously try and repair. Uh, I think he did a, a previous interview where he said, 
the we didn't have a, we didn't have a bridge to begin with, so there was no bridge between the fans. We wouldn't speak, we wouldn't do nothing. Mm. But now he's you know engaging in you know fan forums and he's saying, oh, the people are trying. Uh, I, I think the people understand me better and, and things like that. I'd actually love to hear what I, what a um, a supporter who's on one of those forums has to say. Whether whether um, whether. I think there was one. Um, there was one fan. I don't know what, what, what do they call them. An a? No, it's not an AGM meeting. Well, whatever it's called. Um, I, I yeah, think it was an AGM. Was it an AGM meeting? Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I heard the audio for that AGM meeting between Josh and the fans, and it was basic. It was it was straight after the the Super League fiasco yeah. actually. And uh, but I think they've had what, they've had a couple. Since yeah, they've had then, a couple right? since then. Yeah, yeah. But it, it kind of like it gave me a good idea of you know what kind of how it's structured and yeah, you know sure. what the tempo and what the mood of the of these kind of things are. Um, uh, and you know, it, there was something really interesting that Josh was asked about in that interview, and I think it was the bit it, that was the kind of frostiest, the coldest bit. The rest of it was all kind of, I think, PR nonsense um, and just trying to get a feel of what he was about and what he wanted from Arsenal. But one one particular question was quite interesting for me, and that was about fan representation on the board um, and the question was asked um, there is being there is an internal investigation happening about how about the structure of the club um, because Arsenal is quite a unique case study in the, in the sense that we are 100% owned by KSC and um, the question was um, would you consider fan representation if the report comes out that um, we th- that it recommends having fan representation on the board would you be okay with that would you be happy to kind of act on that um report and his response was kind of like well we need to kind of wait until the report comes out before yeah. we, before we make any decisions it will be wrong of me to comment um jazz what do you think about fan representation on the board Posit- do, do you it. think it'll be a positive thing or do you think yeah. it'll bring about more complexities than it's worth? I think I think it will bring about more complexities, but I think often often, you know, good things in life require difficult, complex things that come with it. You know, just because just because it's difficult, it doesn't mean it's wrong, you know. And I think long term we would reap the benefits as a football club, especially given the backdrop of the ownership that we've just talked about, you know, the the kind of the business, um, the, the way in which they're so business orientated, I think having fans would, would add that, that extra old school layer that we're, that we're missing so dearly. Um, but that's, you know, that's just my take on it really. Do you think that if the report comes out that we, uh, it's recommended that we have a fan representation on at board level, do you think the Cronkies will, um, re- kind of honor that report or, Nope. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, honestly, I just, oh, it, it's so hard to say, but I, I can't, I can't see that happening. I mean, I think they'd be forced to know if it was, a, if it was like an investigation. I don't know. I think they- it's it's recommendations, really, more than anything. The report, I think, goes out to the public at the end, but it's it's kind of like, well, these these are the things that we think that you should implement in order for things to be improved around here, in, in yeah. things to be a little bit fairer. Um, but I don't think they're legally obliged, 
obliged to because the, yeah. they own the club, don't they? Yeah, they at the end of the day, they own it. I, I think uh, they would find some kind of they, they they would implement something to say that they had they had considered the report and taken the appropriate action. But I, I think what they they would implement would not be would not go as far as what the report had recommended. If that makes sense, I think they would kind of meet the report halfway to try and appease the fans, um, so that they could say, yeah. "Oh, you know, we've done our bit now. We've 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 not just." you know, ignore the report. We, we've looked into it and we've done X, Y, Z, but I don't think X, Y, Z would be fully... Anything close to what we need. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly, exactly. And you know what you should really do? You should get Josh on this podcast because I'd love to hear that. I'd love to <laughs> well, see that. that. Is a, could you imagine guess. it? Bit of a long but, shot, mate. <laughs> could you imagine One step out of time, mate. <laughs> could you, could you imagine, like, Josh Conkey, you know, he's probably been asked to, like, do, the, do these do these podcasts and these interviews, and, and the one podcast he ever said yes to was ours. Can you imagine how, how, how much traffic we would get? Oh, dear. That would be so I, good. You should, yeah. you should reach out. Yeah, I don't know, mate. Be. I don't know, mate. Um, but fan representation, I just have my say on the matter before mm. we... Uh, before we leave the subject, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a great way. It will be great. We talk about the golden share uh, that the fans used to have. I, a load of Arsenal fans used to have it before they had to sell their shares to Cronky. Yeah. Were they f- before they were forced to share? Were they forced to? Sh- were yes. they, they were forced to sell it. Then? They were. They had no choice because after the uh, after Cronkies bought Usmanov's share, um, I think legally the, the if they wanted to, they could buy it by force, and that's what they ended up doing. So, but um, what? They, uh, but you mentioned Usmanov there. Why did he have to sell his share? Usmanov was kind of um, shifted away from the boardroom, so um, there were obviously disagreements with him and Kronky, and he was more Usmanov was more. Yeah, but he didn't, he 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 wasn't forced to sell his share he could have gone no no he wasn't forced to share but he knew that he wasn't going to be able to get anything from staying at Arsenal I mean had it been up to him he would have bought Arsenal um, outright but the Cronkies had a bigger share he didn't he wasn't part of the boardroom he had no kind of influence on Mm. what was happening in the club Um, ultimately he was just he was an investor and he was making money from the club so um, I I felt for Usmanov a little bit because but then obviously there's there's also questions about uh, the the legitimacy of his money and obviously his business and all that kind of stuff but um, ultimately yeah it was it was just a case that he was kind of ousted by force almost because he had no real influence other than just having yeah. his name on a piece of paper and that percentage. Yeah. Even if, you know, a fan representation board came in and, and you know, weren't able to make crucial decisions, but were able to be kind of the, the middleman towards making a crucial decision. I think that, so basically what I'm talking about is maybe there's a vote for, you know, let's say for argument's sake, Arteta was in a, in a bad form, Right. Hmm. Just for just for the purposes of this, and then, and then a poll went out and said, "Should Arteta leave leave the job?" Yeah, hmm. and then they can collect those votes up from the, those fan represent uh, those fan representatives, and take them towards the, the 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 board who can actually make decisions, and then they make a decision based off that. Because then you'd still have fan input. Hmm. Um, but I think it's a great thing. You you already seen Chelsea have got I think one representation, two uh, two or three representations are already at meetings, but they can't make uh, crucial decisions. But you know we'll just have to see what happens with this Tracy Tracy Neville. Um, I think it's Tracy Neville or or some somebody uh, review. But um, hopefully it, it's positive for us and we can you know f- take back some control of our club. And our clubs, because it's not just it's not just Arsenal that have this problem. 
Yeah. It's uh, other other clubs as well, like Manchester United, mm. with the Glazers and everyone else. So I think it will affect the American owners more than it does all the rest of them. Mm. Um, because the American owners are kind of, you know, they were, they were behind the Super League. They wanted, they wanted to franchise the Super League to make it so you couldn't get relegated or they wanted to kind of Americanize it and make the model, you know, what they used to, which over here is not what happens. And Josh learned that. When he uh, felt the backlash, yeah, yeah, um, and also I, I uh, in that interview, it was kind of funny. Um, I, I, he was like making references to you know like cold Tuesday nights in Stoke and everything. Oh like, God, I was like, cringing. How would he know about a cold Tuesday night? In Stoke? <laughs> yeah. I was like, how would he know? He was making something about the Brentford. He yeah. said something about Brentford on the opening day. How they'd just been promoted to the Premier, mate. <laughs> yeah, how Brentford are like you know one of the most English like most English traditional clubs, and you're saying oh it's going to be a fortress. Da, 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 da. Yes, it is, but I don't know where you got that information from if you weren't already briefed about it. Yeah, because it's not like Americans talk about Brentford openly or anything like that. But um, the other interesting thing about that interview was he spoke about the Daniel Ek situation, mm. which is interesting. Very interesting because I didn't actually think he would touch it. Because they don't normally speak. I about think again, it was very, very uh, intentional, and again, mm-hmm. it was probably as a didn't PR mention his stunt. name though. He just spoke about. Um, yeah, they get offers all the time, apparently. Yeah, I would love to see where these other offers are from. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to, Farhan? You've been uh, <laughs> trying your luck. <laughs> well, I don't want to, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll wait until I get successful mid through the door. We all join our consortium. The Arsenal Therapy Consortium to buy Arsenal Football Club. Oh my God. Anyways, uh, moving on from um, Josh Kroenke, let's talk about someone who deserves a little bit of airtime, and that is Mikel Arteta. He recently had a, a lengthy interview with Amy Lawrence, a cracking interview, by the way. Um, Amy Lawrence did a, a magnificent job of not just talking about the footballing side of things, but actually getting to know the man himself and the human side of Arteta. Um, Jazz, um, did you get a chance to um, have a watch of that um, interview? I did indeed. Okay, um, give me your thoughts about Arteta the man and Arteta the manager. Yeah, I think it was it was a really interesting watch. I think my main takeaway from it really was I didn't quite realise how committed he was before. Mm. And, you know, I've sort of seen him do, you know, talking the talk in various press conferences. And I think that's kind of, that comes with with the job and that's kind of expected. But I think seeing a more intimate side to him really, really highlighted how how seriously he's taken this job. And he does seem to have a a very long-term vision and long-term way of looking at things. Mm. And I think... I think that's what we've been craving since Wenger left and even towards the end of his tenure, you know, and, and I think having, you know, w- with the new, the new approach we've got at the moment where we're relying on building youth and having young players and, and, you know, building a squad over the next four to six years, I think is really kind of, it's very promising. And, and it looks as though he's, he's learned from some of his mistakes. It looks as though he's, he's not, necessarily as as arrogant as some of us thought you know a lot lot of us I think thought that he was he was kind of immune to any constructive criticism but it seems that he has actually taken things on board and he has acknowledged that you know things haven't been perfect 
Um, and yeah, going forward, it's, it's, I think it it was a good interview at a good time really. Mm. And and now we can hopefully kick on, um, carry on with this good unbeaten run. And, and, you know, I hope that things stay as they are. Mm. I really enjoyed the part where he was talking about, um, his parents and his, where he grew up in San Sebastian. Um, that's the first place I ever went to in Spain. And it's such, I remember it was in sixth form. Uh, we went as a school trip and that was my first taste of, of Spain. Um, and I've been to Spain a few on a few more occasions after that. But I have to say, I have never felt that kind of feeling when I was in San Sebastian. It's such a beautifully kind of put bit of land um, in the world. It's so nice and peaceful. It's it, the, the, the landscapes are just so interesting. I mean, uh, he mentioned there's, you've got the rocky kind of mountainy hills sat in between um, the flat kind of sandy beaches. It's a brilliant place. And um, it was, it was really nice to see him kind of his, his, his personality being stripped to see that, you know, that, that we often, or I, I often, when I look at managers, I think they're like, they're a bit like robots, you know, cold, yeah. heartless. They just get the job done. But it's, it's nice mm-hmm. to see someone who has a real heart, a real personality. And he's bringing that to the, the club. Um, a- Amy mentioned that there, uh, that there have been a few changes happening in the training ground. There is, um, like a, a figure of Arsene Wenger and some of the inspirational quotes that, um, some of, some of his quotes from, from the past to, to, to inspire these players coming out of the ranks, the players that wouldn't have been here during the Arsene Wenger era. And it's so important to have that figure there to have because Arsene in many ways is Arsenal he 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 morphed and he kind of moved football on to the next phase of its development um James what do you yeah. think what do you what do you think um fans can learn from that interview because I think we are A still lot. at this point where um we are kind of still fighting over whether this Arteta in and out debate is still basically you know happening and Look, those that have been proven wrong or those that are people people who at first were very anti Arteta um, mm-hmm. are still you know afraid to say that maybe they got it wrong or not to say they got it wrong but maybe they were a bit too harsh or judged him a bit early yeah look I want to go back to to when you know the rumours I want to go back to 20, uh, 20, when the rumours came out of what Arsenal had to join in. I wasn't... <laughs> I have to be careful what I say here because I did that. I, I found something on Facebook that would, would, would haunt me if I said it. Incriminating uh, it evidence. Up, it came up on my memories that I would... <sighs> a certain someone was out of a job at that time. Yeah. And I don't think... Oh, I wonder who that is. Finger. I don't think was, it, was, it, was it Rogers? No, it wasn't. Jose <laughs> Mourinho, I bet you anything. Yeah, you are correct. <laughs> what? Um, no way. Was, no way you talk. wanted Mourinho at Arsenal. It was a talk. No, no, no. Let me hear me out. Oh, this is it disgraceful, James. Sport. It was a talk sport yeah. thing. Arteta wasn't even in the mention. Neither was, I think, Nuno at the time. So who was who was the next big thing? Who was the next big manager that could do a job? It was Mourinho. Oh, dear. So I said, he was like, who do you want as manager? And I, I, I somehow 
put Jose Mourinho. James, have you asked for forgiveness? Have you have you have you prayed to the Almighty? I did just. That I did. May this. remove I, that I sin that. from your life. Literally, I saw <laughs> I saw the memory, and I was like, I literally. A shockwave basically went through my body. Then I was like, "What the hell am I? What did I do?" Yeah. But in all seriousness, um, when you know other managers weren't in the question, and it was Mikel Arteta, and it was going to be Mikel Arteta, I was like, "Okay," because you know Mikel Arteta is not the first time it's come around. He was going to get the job um, ahead of Unai Emery when he was first appointed, but apparently Unai Emery blew them away in the interview. Mm. And uh, Mikel Arteta was still, you know, under contract at the city. Um, but I remember uh, when Arteta was first appointed, they actually went to his house after the Manchester City game where we got beat to finalise the contract. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing the photos outside his house. It was Vinay, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Vinay, it was um, Raul, Raul yeah. back then outside his house on a, on, at night. Um, yeah, and I was like, yeah, it's going to be Arteta. And I was, I like Arteta as a player. I've been lucky enough to see him play a few times mm. um, at the Emirates and in the Emirates Cups and other, other various games. I like Arteta. You know, he's, he's captain of this club before anything. Um, and he wanted to take... And what a job. What, what, what a job to get your first job at, like, Arsenal. Your first job. Mm. Um, so when he was appointed and when he did that first press conference, he just blew me away. Mm. Everything he spoke about, the non-negotiables, the you know, he even I think even even then he spoke about the process, <laughs> yeah. the process of you know rebuilding Arsenal. And he he was at the City game before, and he said I didn't like what I saw from a, from an Arsenal perspective. And uh, straight away he was like, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change the culture. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And over time, you've seen you've seen it now happen. You know, he's changed the training ground. We've had a new tunnel put in. Where it says Arsenal, we've had a new dressing room with all inspirational quotes, and we've, you know, you, you mentioned about the Arsenal Wenger uh, board where people can go and high five him. Apparently, that's what they do now. Mm. They go and high five Arsenal as soon as they go in the training ground. Which is <laughs> I a, find that funny. Great, I don't know. Why. <laughs> can you just imagine, moment. like, people, just all the players just but lining it's a great up? Moment, high five. <laughs> Yeah. It's a great moment. Look, you look at what Arsenal's. We we spent twenty minutes before this talking about Arsenal and what he's done for this club. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. And you know, Arteta is is is. I think following on from that, I think he is the best. I, I, factually, I could say he's probably you know the neck. He's the best thing we've had since Arsenal Wenger is Arteta. I can I I think I'll put my neck out on the line and say that. Because you only have to look at the, you only have to look at what he's done and how he's shaped the club. I think we're in the we're in the best we're in, I think we're in the best state now uh, than we have been since uh, Arsene Wenger left the club. Obviously, we we went through Unai. That was a tricky time. But now I think there there is a a period that there's been a period of time where you know the dust has settled. He's got everything he wants. He's got he's got a team playing how he wants it. It seems like that's why we're on this unbeaten run. And he's got the he's got the harmony within the squad. The way it needs to be for now, and I think that all the credit has to go to him mm. and his staff and Steve Round and Albert Stovenberg and everyone, the goalkeeping coach, bringing Ramsdale in. Yes, he, he, uh, the goalkeeping coach had a little bit of an error when it came to um, Alex Renarsson, but I think I can forgive him now if it, he was the one that got in Ramsdale. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really, I'm really liking Arsenal, and I get slated every every time I say it because. Uh, every, when he was on this bad run, I was like, "Stick with him, stick with him, stick with him, please stick with him." I got slaughtered. I got 
called you know Arteta's son by somebody. <laughs> I was always sticking. I think that was on yeah, uh, one of the Red Cannon. I I got called that, and every time I go into the Red Cannon chat, is another YouTuber and uh, a good friend of ours, Farhan. Um, yeah. uh, a guy in his chat always used to call me Ar- Ar- Arteta's son, and it was always a running joke. And then one day they said, "Oh, is your, is, is your dad? Has your dad told you he's leaving yet? Because we were going into a bad run of form." I was like, "No, he hasn't. He's sticking with the job." But yeah. you know, all that, all that, like all the, all the, you know, stick I got for supporting Arteta seems. I, I seem like I've been kind of vindicated at the minute because it's really come into fruition, and and his his idea of playing and how he wants us to play is really is really coming through. So I hope it. I really do, do hope it continues. Jazz, he. In that interview, he um, was asked what he would like Arsenal to have achieved this time, like five years down the line or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and he said, um, <laughs> if if we could all stay on the same page as a unit, if we could all be together, that would be enough. Um, what do you think... I mean, there's always so much you can extrapolate from an answer, but when a manager says, when a manager doesn't mention anything to do with any footballing achievements, do you think it's almost more important now in the 21st century, 2021, in in, in a place where money effectively controls what happens on a football pitch? Do you think there are some things that are more important or some things that that are needed in order to win football matches like being a unit and staying on the same page and having everybody singing from the same hymn sheet? Or do you think maybe... Arteta is lacking a little bit of reality in the sense that in order to get everyone on the same sheet, you need to win. You need to be competitive. I think I think that that team spirit element is so crucial to 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 getting to where we want to be. And I think it's it's something he alludes to quite often. It's been a bit of it's been a bit of a theme since he's joined the club. Because I think he's seen you know, there have been so many moments where we've actually had good players and we've, over the past few years, have spent a lot of money and it hasn't necessarily translated to success. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, I'm not saying that there haven't been some bad signings because there absolutely have. You look at, you know, someone like Nicolas Pepe, who's arguably not not justified the price tag thus far. We'll talk about him, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but mm. I just think... <laughs> If you look at like City, for example, and what they've done since Pepper's come in, Hmm. obviously they've spent a huge amount of money, but a lot of the players in that team have, have, there's there's been a lot of consistency that team in terms of the players that have started and, and been around the team for the past few years. And they are a team with a great deal of team spirit. They, you know, they, they, you can tell they're a proper unit. I mean, you only have to watch the Amazon documentary. I, I know it's a documentary. I know obviously it, it does deliberately paint the club in a particularly positive light. But still, if you compare that documentary to the Tottenham documentary, for example, yeah. and I'm not just trying to dig Tottenham out, but it's true. If you compare those two, you can see City are winners because all those players in the dressing room, they want to win mm-hmm. and they want to win together. Whereas Tottenham, it ain't that ain't happening, um, and I think it's I think it's the same with Arsenal. I think uh, Arteta clearly realizes that he needs to keep these players together. He needs to keep the fans on the side because if you don't have those ingredients, you've got no hope. I just I think you have no hope. No matter how much money you spend, you can spend six hundred million. That's not going to guarantee success. 
you know, look at like FIFA Ultimate Team. You can get all you 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 can have I don't know fifty million coins on FIFA Ultimate Team. Get Ronaldo, <laughs> Messi, all all the top players. But if your chemistry isn't right, you're not going to win the games. And I think it's the same thing in real life. Mm. I think you have, like that. It's just it's it's a crucial element of any team sport. You know, look at Leicester when they won the league. Yeah, good, very good it, point. It, I, I think it's so important. So I, I don't blame him for saying it. I can understand why people might have reservations about what he's saying, but. You know, it's no good him saying, oh, in five years' time, we want to win the Premier League. Because that's League, obvious. Because that's like, obvious. You know? Yeah. Like, obviously, we want to win it. But I, I think he just, he's identified that as just a key ingredient to our success. And I think we need a foundation and a framework to be able to get to where we want to get to. Mm. You mentioned uh, Nicolas Pepe. Um, I actually wanted to talk mm. about a few players. Um, Jazz, are we good for time? Because I know you said you wanted to... Um, yeah, I'll, um, I've got another ten minutes if that's okay. Fine, cool. I can, okay, I can drop off then. Excellent. Right, so let's let's uh, let's quickly go through the list of players who have been mentioned in the gossip columns, uh, who are potentially on their way out. And Pepe is one of them. We've been seeing um, heavy sort of speculations about the club potentially being ready to let him go um, because it's it hasn't worked out for whatever reason jazz talk to me about nicolas pepe because he is a particularly interesting case study in the sense that a really promising young player once upon a time being signed for arsenal for a ridiculous amount of money which let's be honest um shouldn't have been paid because um you know it's it's clear that he's not an 80 mil or 75 more however however much we paid for him um there were some dodgy dealings going on in the background allegedly and um i i feel like that has ultimately been the downfall of his kind of trajectory at arsenal yeah nicolas pepe he's <laughs> He's a transfer that I really, really wanted uh, and still want to work. Like, I really just wanted it to work out, you know, because he's, he's, show, he's shown so many flashes of brilliance. Mm. And there have been so many matches where he has been a real outlet for us on the right-hand side in that, in that final third, where he's influenced the game. You know, he might not have necessarily scored a goal or got an assist, but he's been... He's been really heavily involved in our sort of attacking threat. But despite that, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't done enough in mm. terms of if you're looking at his quantifiable contribution, like his goals, his assists, his match ratings, his dribbling. He's he's one of those players you just, you're waiting for him to kick on to the next level. And he just hasn't quite done that. You know, he, he's, he's, he's really been stagnant the whole time. I feel like the Pepe we bought and the Pepe we have now, there, there's not been much of a growth. I mean, mm. he seems to always do the same thing. He's always cutting inside on his left foot. Yeah. He's always doing like a hundred step overs, but with no real purpose, Yeah, you know, and it's just, it, it's, it's so difficult to like understand, you know, is he just a, not a great player? Is he being, you know, deployed, incorrectly in the team is he being underutilized is he just struggling to adapt to life in england yeah there are so many possible reasons for for why he's been he's not been good but i really struggle to put my finger on it and i think overall you do have to think you know after two and a bit seasons if, if it's if it's not changed then it probably is worth him you know moving him on 
which is it's just a shame because he seems like a good guy. He seems like he's got promise, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to like an Everton and then did really well or a yeah. Leicester. I mm. could just I could see that happening, but yeah, it's just, I mean, it that's like it's just not meant to be. That's my worry. That's exactly what I see um, happening if Pepe leaves. And I don't know if you guys remember that, that, but there was a brief spell, very very brief, so maybe a couple of games where we were finally playing him on the left hand side, and I've I've been screaming for 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 this to happen and when it did eventually happen it was perfect because the way that he wanted to play ultimately um the uh, Nicola Pepe's strengths are running at players dribbling past them and then you know whether he's cutting in or whether he's laying it off to another player um the end product is is you know questionable but him on the ball is very exciting. Mm. There's a clear difference between seeing Pepe on the right-hand side and the left-hand side. And that difference is if you play him on the right-hand side, he's a left-footed player, so he's ultimately going to need to cut in. And that slows down the momentum of the game. It slows down the build-up. It allows the opposition to get back into their defensive shape. But Pepe on the right, on the, on the left-hand side... When he's got his le- when when he's got the ball, he doesn't need to think about cutting in because he's he's got his favoured foot, his left foot. He can drive at players. He can be more direct. He doesn't need to slow down. He doesn't need to go down by the byline. He can get the ball, run, lay the ball off into the box, or if he wanted to cut in ever so slightly, um, a bit more sharper than he would do on the right on the right hand side, and then maybe see to finish the ball or uh, you know make something happen. And he did so well on the left-hand side. And uh, it's, it's so unfortunate because now that we've got Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe really doing the business, you have to kind of question what Pepe needs to do to get back into the team. And um, obviously we're hearing reports of um, him, the club, sorry, letting him go for potentially 30 mil. Um, do you think Arsenal need to be a little bit more ambitious with the price tag? Or do you think, I think we should we should just let him go for whatever we can get. I mean, who's going to pay more than thirty mil for him? I mean, by all means, try and see. But I think with with the context of how he's done at the club for the past two years, clubs will know that we are desperate to get rid of him. Clubs know we're very much the type of club that needs money to be able to fund our transfers. So they'll know that we'll be relying on that sell very heavily, and again, that will make us even more desperate. So yeah, by all means, sell him for forty mil. 50 mil but can you really see anyone paying that for him I mean I can't mm. I don't think he's he's I think that there's a collective recognition that we bottled it when we bought him like the the, the the fee we paid for him was just madness and I think there's not a single person in world football who doesn't like agree with that point of view so with that yeah. in mind I think it's kind of like it's almost it's almost worth forgetting that we paid that much money for him because it was such an anomaly you yeah. know Mm. Um, so you can almost forget about get, cutting your losses back because it ain't going to happen. Um, so yeah, I think I think realistically, thirty mil is probably it's probably what we're looking at. And um, obviously, the other kind of news which is in correlation to this one is that Arsenal, or this, it's been going on for a while now. This news has been going, um, it's been doing the rounds for a good probably a year since the summer transfer window, um, Arsenal could potentially be going in for Raheem Sterling, who has been told by Man City that they're willing to to let him go. Do you think that that would be potentially a good deal for Arsenal? If so, how much are we looking to pay for him? And could it be a case that Sel Pepe used that fee to then sign Raheem? 
He he's not a player who's on t- uh, at the top of my list. Mm. I'll say that straight away. Really, know. that's it's really strange because I I felt like that a little bit. But then after looking at his um. Well, after looking at his age, I kind of came to the agreement that he's 26 years old. He's yet to hit his prime. You could utilize him for the next three or four years. And and absolutely. And that was going to be my next point is while he's not top of my list, I would definitely not be opposed to, to getting him because mm. I think he's actually quite an underrated player considering what he's done in English football. I think he's he was incredible at Liverpool. And I think he, you know, under Pep at City, he improved so much as a player. Yeah, okay, in the last season or so he he's struggled to maintain a place in the starting 11 but I mean it's Man City and yeah, uh, yeah I, I think he's a very very good player and certainly if, if you're talking about bringing him in at the expense of Pepe I'd absolutely be behind that um and I think uh, you know Arteta I mean I remember reading a year or so ago that supposedly Sterling said that Arteta was quite key in his development as a player yeah. I don't know how true that is but if that is true then you know maybe it could be a really a really great um a really great addition and, and maybe seeing those two you know having those two work together could could make could you know allow Sterling to continue growing as a player and like you say he's 26 it feels like he's like 30 or 31 yeah, it, it does, feels like he's it? been around so long but he started so young when he was at Liverpool so um, like you say, you know, still very much reaching his prime. So, mm. yeah, why not? Mm. James, um, yeah, talk to me about the Pepe and Sterling situation. What 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 can Arsenal do in this kind of situation? Well, do you see Do you see uh, Pepe turning things around? Uh, I've I've spoken about Pepe many times. He's he's been one of my I wouldn't say favorite players, but I've, I've admired I've, I admire Pepe as soon as he walks in the door. Um, I was there for his, uh, one of his first games ever. Uh, I've met him a few times, which is great. Um, and he's, he's, he's great outside of football as well, always can take a picture with you and, and so on. But I think what, what's unfair on Pepe is the price. Mm-hmm. I think that, that price has really let him down as well. Because, you know, players, can, players can't really tell, tell someone, oh, they're worth this much. And it's all about the performances they put in individually. Uh, I think uh, that's the reason why Ralph and he's no longer in the job because of that deal alone. Um, because we all saw, we all saw what happened uh, after that. He took some money out of it and he put some money uh, for himself or whatever, whatever the accusations were. But it's clear to see that it wasn't that it wasn't the right uh, uh, the, the the finances weren't right in the deal. And I think that that ultimately has shot him in the foot. Um, because yes, there's a player there, but in not in a consistent 72 million pound basis so um i i i see him as kind of uh one-off inconsistent yes he can do the skills and he can do everything else but he just can't turn that into form and consistency which ultimately in this time of in this time of season and where we are in our rebuild is what we need mm-hmm. and at the moment we're getting it from other players like Emil smith rose saka um I'd even go as far as to say, uh, yeah, we're getting it from other players, and it's uh, really, um, really unfit, really not, really not the best for Pepe. But hopefully, if he does get the move, he can move somewhere where he he will kick on and eventually, uh, re- eventually he'll probably come back to bite us like uh, the, the the other numerous amount of signings have done. But uh, I'm talking about you can now bring you Marlin and shit, yeah, everyone else, but. Even your Mavropanos is now the, of the 
of the world in Germany, absolutely ripping it up. But in regards to Sterling, that's an interesting one. Apparently, he would prefer an Arsenal move over a Barcelona move, I've read. Mm. So I think that would purely at, the, be at this point in time, he's probably right. <laughs> you know, I would purely be. I think that would purely be down to Arteta, though. Really, yeah, because he he he'd been he'd been uh, he'd been there before, and they, they've spoken about how how you know um, how he was such an influence on his game. So hopefully, maybe maybe that's a a thing that could happen. Maybe on the loan, I'm I'm hearing as well. Maybe. I don't know. We're going to have yeah. to see what happens in January, but uh... here in Van der Beek as well, possibly. Um, yeah. But um, Jazz, just before you go, mate, um, if you could just give me your two cents on Inketia as well. Um, so uh, there was reports, I think, yesterday that he wants to leave now, um, and s- considering that Arsenal are well they will need to be looking at a number nine pretty soon um because you know you can't depend and rely on a Bamiang Lacazette forever. Um what do you think we should do? Do you think we, we do you think this is a player that could, you know, be the, potentially a future number nine for Arsenal or is he just not the right kind of cut from the right material? It's a strange one because I think for me I think he's not the answer for us. Hmm. But equally, he has a very, very good goal scoring record whenever he's played just yeah. uh, across his career. So it's it's strange that I find myself saying that. But uh, I, I do think if we get an opportunity to sell him for a good price, and I think we would be able to get a good price considering his age and his goal scoring record, I think I, I would probably be happy to, to sell him, um, mm. especially if that meant that we would, if that would open up more chances for Joe Balogun as a sort of backup in the first team, uh, you know, that would be a good thing as well because I think, I don't know if you saw goal he scored recently for the under-21s, which yeah, was I just that unbelievable. Yeah, that 94th minute or something, 3-3, free, yeah, free, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. I think. Uh, and, I, I, and, and, yeah, I just think he is, he looks like he could be a good player. So I think Nketi has had enough opportunities in the first team to really cement a place, maybe not, you know, ahead of a Bamiang or Lacazette, but as as a real solid backup. I, I don't think he's done that. So yeah, I think I, I wouldn't be opposed to getting rid of him. I think it would be a shame because, you know, he's, he's Arsenal through and through. And, and I, I do think he will turn to be a good player, but I think he'll always be underutilized at, at our club because I don't think he'll ever be in a position where he'll be starting regularly. Hmm. Whereas if he goes elsewhere, I think he will be able to get a lot of uh, first team action. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I guess this is a uh, time where we part ways. Um, I want to say a massive thank you for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure and it's been a really good show, actually. Really nice discussion. Mm -hmm. Lots of different things that we've spoken about. Um, So thank you. Thank you for coming on. And um, if you you want to connect with Jazz and Dan, you can do, you can find them on Twitter at Kicking Off. Um, That's their Twitter handle. That's the Kicking Off podcast. Um, They do release a piece of content you guys haven't done for a while and i've been yeah, waiting patiently i know i know i've been getting a lot of messages a lot of angry messages about um the lack of content recently but long story show we've both been unbelievably busy we've sure. both had new jobs and, and dan recently got a new dog oh god been, i love his dog story i know i know everyone <laughs> loves his dog so he won't stop talking about his dog but he's been he's been yeah. looking after it bless him yeah. um, and it's just been taking a lot of time so we are actually looking to record in the next few days and obviously he was 
you know, hoping to come on here tonight, yeah. but unfortunately he couldn't. But um, but yeah, we will we will definitely have something coming out soon. But uh, but no, thank you so much for having me on. Really, really appreciate it. It was a real pleasure talking to you guys, as always. Thank you, um, man. And um, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Absolutely, definitely, absolutely. All right, mate. Take care. All right, take, take care, care, man. Guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That's James. James, what? <laughs> that's Jazz. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Jazz from the Kicking Off podcast. Um, James, just me and you now, so we can have a good natter yeah. about the rest of the things that I wanted to talk about. Give me, uh, talk to me about Nketiah. What, what's gone wrong? Not what's gone wrong, but why hasn't it worked? Uh, I don't... <laughs> and would you keep him? <laughs> it's another weird one for me because I've met him. I see this is this is the thing going on. Every player I meet, I can't say a bad word about. But yeah. um, uh, but on a level, I don't think he's great as a super sub and great as a as a as a as a player that can come on and get your goal maybe on the, in the ninetieth minute. But again, a game is not just a night. A game is not just one minute or five minutes of a game. It's just the full ninety. If you're not gonna come and perform for the full 90 in just five minutes of the added time, then what's the point in, 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 in playing and where you, where you could go? I, you know, I would I would like him to go abroad. Mm. Maybe to oh, Italy. Yeah, you too. see what Tammy Abraham's doing. Yeah. yeah, Tammy Abraham's doing at Roma. Maybe he can replicate it. Even though Jose Mourinho said he wasn't that, uh, he wasn't that impressed with Tammy Abraham recently. But that's just Jose Mourinho for you. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I exposed myself about the Jose Mourinho thing earlier. Um, yeah, that is poor, man. Uh, man. Mourinho, um, I'd rather have the devil. No, I'm joking. Mourinho no, is he the was devil. the only one that was associated with the job apart from uh, Nuno. There was I Eddie Howe. No, actually, was there Eddie Howe? No, I don't think was Eddie, it? I I think Eddie Howe was still at Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, I, I would have loved Eddie Howe to take charge. But I think that would have been a would long you? shot. Yeah, I really wanted Eddie Howe, actually. He was my number one. Um, on the list, I really wanted him to. Um, to Where win the was Mikel? Um, no, I was furious when Where those reports Mikkel came out. Mikel? Where was Mikel on the list? Yeah, he wasn't on the list. Yeah, where was he on on your mind? He was. He was he on the list, on list of. He was on the list of. Please, definitely not, Arsenal manager. Oh <laughs> um, wow! Yeah, yeah, because obviously but at the time. Sure. At the time, totally slapped you in the face. Yeah, 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 and I'm glad it did because you know it's 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 almost like when our Arsene took over. Um, yeah, everyone was saying who the hell was this guy, and you know it, it came back to slap him in the face. But yeah, same. I'm I'm hoping it's the same with Arteta as well. Um, it was just a lack of experience and stuff like that. But yeah, um, with yeah. Nketia, like you say, going abroad would be a really. I, I think I think that would develop him a lot quicker. Um, and it would give him everything that he needs to be that number nine who can, you know, be consistent. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem with Eddie and Katia is yeah. that we expect too much from him, don't we? And mm-hmm. we expect ever since I think ever since that Norwich game when he yeah. came on and scored, I think one goal or two goals in the ninetieth minute would be good. Oh, he's one of those again. Yep, yep, yep. You know, he's the next Olivier Giroud. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just using I'm just using another super sub player who always used to come on and score goals. It used to be Olivier Giroud or yeah. the Scorpion Kick or you know strikers like that. But Eddie and Kessia, mm, I don't think he can't see it. When I I really wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't uh, put it this way I wouldn't be satisfied if I saw Eddie and Kessia in a lineup on his own with 
players around him that could score goals and it was just mm. him on his own I wouldn't be I mean he scored know, a I, beautiful I goal against Leeds in the Carabao Cup that was yeah but phenomenal. That, that's just one moment yeah you're that's right that's just one moment he has, to, he has to do it over consistent he has to do it over consistent levels of periods of time mm. otherwise I, I feel like I'm, I'm Mark Goldbridge talking yeah. about Manchester United moments FC you know I don't want to be moments FC I get I, I, I laugh at that when Manchester United talk about that I don't mm. want to I don't want to be that talking about a player like Eddie Nketiah. But don't get me wrong, I, I like Eddie Nketiah. He's a great, he's a great, uh, great guy. Uh, sorry if you can hear what's going on in the background, but no, 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 uh, that's, fine. that's fine. Yeah, he's a great guy, uh, but maybe he just needs to move on. Mm. Um, let's talk about just let's finally end it on the upcoming game. Um, I haven't done one of these in a very long time. Oh, I used no. to do previews when I yeah. had my YouTube channel, but um. I don't, I don't. I haven't done it since. So this this will be nice to do a quick little Liverpool preview. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Liverpool versus Arsenal at Anfield Saturday, mm-hmm. um, the twentieth, five thirty mm-hmm. evening kickoff. Right. This is going to be a massive game. A very, very, very big game because number one, we are going to Anfield with um, eight unbeaten in the league, 10 unbeaten in all competitions. Liverpool mm-hmm. come to this game after having lost their first game of the season. Um, yeah. It was up against West Ham at the London Stadium against another London club. And it was quite, it was quite a surprise, I think. It was, it was very kind yeah, of... Yeah, very surprising, in fact. I, I think they were quite shell-shocked as well, the fact that they lost. No, West Ham are a brilliant side. But, they 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 come into this game with a lot to prove. Um, talk to me. How do you see this one going? Because apparently there are key players. There are key players who are going yeah. to be missing for Liverpool. Look, I knew someone was going to ask me about this game. I didn't really want to speak about it until the day of. But mm. I think. Going off our recent performances, we can get a result. I genuinely believe that. Are we going to get a result? It's up to you know us putting inconsistent, putting the same performances we put in against Leicester and Spurs and all these other great performances. Then yes, we can absolutely get we can actually get a point or all three. Um, but there is an element there is an element of me that goes, can this last any longer? <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. I, I spoke uh, the other week about. It feeling a little bit too comfortable, mm. and if it is feeling comfortable, I can definitely see this game being a banana skin. Mm. But I can also see it being a, a game that we go, yeah, this Arsenal team has turned the corner and they look really, really good. Um, I saw I saw on Talksport. I don't know if they're joking because you can never know with that lot. But yeah, if someone said if we beat Liverpool, then you could seriously put Arsenal up there for challenging for the league. All right, steady. No, I don't know. If that, <laughs> yeah, no, but I don't know if that, I don't know if I see that the same way. But yeah, if we were to win at Liverpool after winning at Tottenham, Leicester, and all these other games, not uh, unbeaten since C, then we do have a, a real chance of, of being up there mm. and fighting between those teams. We're already, I think, four points behind ahead of Manchester United. Um, so that's one uh, big team out of the way. Um, and then well, we, we, we play United soon, though, don't we? I think three weeks in, in about three weeks' time, we we, we play United. 
Um, yeah. Three-ish weeks. Second so of it'll be interesting December. To see how we 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 approach that game. Two well. weeks. Bloody hell! Not even three. Two. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how we approach that game as well, and and see how we come out of it. And you know, the Liverpool game. If we get a point, I'll be happy. So how also, how how realistic? I mean, how not 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 realistic, but um, how what are you expecting the outcome of this game to be? How much of it, as a percentage, how much of it do you see Arsenal winning, drawing, and then um, losing? I don't know. I can't. I couldn't give you a prediction, mate. Honestly, mm. because I don't know the line. I don't know. I've heard players are out. I don't know who's out. I think I, I think Mane was taken off by Senegal because it, it was feared that he he had a rib injury, but um, he was checked at Anfield. Um, sorry, not Anfield at Liverpool, the training ground, whatever it's called. And Millwood. Yeah, and he's supposed to be fine. He was seen training, back to training again, so he's okay. Uh, Naby Keita is going to be uh, away. Curtis Jones is mm-hmm. going to be away with an in- injury. Um, Jordan Henderson and Milner potentially, but they're they're still kind of working on that by themselves. Um, so. Mm. I mean, realistically, so as long actually, I think Firmino might be Firmino might be um out with an injury. Um but as well. Salah as well, but apparently Salah should be fine ish because what happened with Salah? Um just an just half an hour in their game with Gabon, which was against Abamyang. <laughs> um I think Abamyang scored in that game as well. He was taken off um i'm not sure i did hear that batman was injured but apparently that's false now so yeah so uh, firmino's hamstring injury has already yes yeah, so firmino is going to be out um salah and mane potentially but it looks like they're okay for the time being or they're just getting mm-hmm. back to training so it depends on their fitness whether they're going to be able to kind of get back to full strength in mm-hmm. on time but for me, with Firmino out, that's it's quite a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, you know he's a talisman for them behind uh, Mane and Salah. Um, but look, <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting game. One I'm really looking forward to. Uh, if we come on this podcast at the end of it feeling, you know, on top of the world, even if we lose the game, man, even if we lose the game, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be. Oh, we should have won the game or. Because it's Liverpool. Look at how, you know, I even, I almost, you probably could say this game's a free hit considering Liverpool's form. Um, what if they beat us by three goals? Even then, when, how long, how much, how much, how long do you expect this run to go on for? Mm. I don't know. Why, I just, I, you, I just feel why, like there is a manner in which, like, like, like it's all, it's all, it's all down to the performance at the end of no, the day. No, but I, I can, I can picture it now. I can picture it now. We lose three, we lose two or three nil to Liverpool, and then people will be going, "Oh, I'll take her out." What after, after what, after, after ten games unbeaten, not lost since City? Are you joking? Mm. It's Liverpool. It's not. It's not like you know. It's not Burnley. We lost three nil to. It's Liverpool. You know, former European champions, Premier League champions, we've got the, one of the best squads in the world. You know, there has to be some sort of, there has to be some sort of middle ground where we go, yeah, we lost the game, get over it, move on to the next one. You can't, uh, this is not the Invincibles anymore. We don't have an Invincible team. 
Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, I I know what you mean, but I mean ultimately. I get, I get what you I get what you're saying about I get what you're saying about the the um the manner in which you lose a game. If we lost the game three 0 but we put we if we lost the game eventually uh by two or two or two nil or three 0 and we put the, we had chances, then maybe you could go oh yeah we didn't power chances away. But if it was just a I don't know. I, I, I don't like doing predictions when I don't really know. Yeah. Especially after an international break as well. Because we haven't had, to, we haven't had a, a football game since Watford. That was a few weeks ago. Yeah. I, kind I, of I think what's more important is the performance. More than anything. For me, anyway. Like, I'm looking forward yeah. to this game just to see how Arsenal react when they play up against... When they're playing up against an elite side I want to see the mentality mm. I want to see the attitude I want to see how Arteta preps these guys and what they how they react I want to see us mm. go 1-0 down because I want to see how they react to that kind of situation I want it to be a tough game you know I don't want to I don't want to turn up at Anfield and I know it's not going to happen but I would hate to turn up at Anfield and for it for things to be you know smooth sailing I want to see us go through rocky phases because I think it's the pressure that makes the diamond. So uh, until we go through those tough patches, it's going to be really difficult for skeptics to be convinced that, you know, Arteta is the right man or this project is working. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully uh, we give a good account of ourselves yeah. regardless of the Absolutely result. Man. But, you know, I would love to take some points from Liverpool, from Absolutely. Anfield and progress up the, the league table. So um, that's in a few days. Really, really excited about that. Um, I think we'll leave it there. We've been, um, we've been chatting for a while now. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, I want to say a massive thank you to once again, Jazz, for coming on the show. Thank you very much. You guys um, can find him on Twitter with the Kicking Off podcast once again at, uh, sorry, at Kicking Off. Um, kicking off that's, yeah. that's Jazz and Dan. Uh, once again, you can support the podcast like you have done by... Um, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast, um, showing us some love as well because we've been putting the work in. You know, I, I think we've 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 almost clocked up ten thousand downloads. Um, wow, that's great. Man. Is it ten thousand? No, it's not ten thousand. Sorry, six and a half. Still, six and a half is a lot. So, um, thank you very much for everyone who's been supporting the show. Uh, let us know what you what your thoughts are about the show. How you feel like we can improve. Um, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Gunnarsense96. You can find James on Twitter at James Payne AFC. You can also find the Arsenal Therapy Podcast on Twitter at Arse Therapy Pod. Um, so yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll see you guys after the Liverpool game. Whatever the result may be, we'll be here to give you your dose of therapy. Until then, uh, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.